Welcome to the Self-Care with Gracie podcast, where we'll talk about self-care practices that really work, the self-awareness that helps you to become your own best friend, and how all of that adds up to having really good self-esteem and enjoying your beautiful life. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care, and welcome back. I'm really excited about uh, what's happening in this podcast as it's getting started, and um, what I've always felt like is that each of us has like our, our work that we're meant to do or the thing that we're really good at. And for years, I was like, the thing I'm really good at is just like kind of sitting down in a conversation with someone and, and like you know, digging in together for more understanding or more truth or like that way that we feel when we really get recognized for who we are. And, um, and it's not about like me or the other person, but more about the conversation itself. And it's something I've, I've thought for a while that in our culture, um, it's, it's a skill that maybe we've, we haven't always talked about or refined is like how to like, how to really have a conversation, which involves listening, which involves vulnerability, which involves like not always knowing the answer, but just like throwing a thought out there. And what I'm finding is that um, so many of these conversations I'm having, especially, sorry guys, but especially with the women in my life, um, it feels like there is just like really some cool stuff that's coming out. And so as, as this um, self-care coaching business that I've started has grown and, and it's like seemed time to do something like a podcast, I'm like, well, this is perfect because I can actually use this work to, you know, the thing that I like to do the most um, could actually be useful to other people. And um, the people that I'm starting with are um, some of my, like, oldest and dearest friends. One of the, um, the times of my life that has, has been um, most important to me is a time when I was in high school into my first year of college where I was involved through Unity Churches um, and their youth group. And Unity Churches, you can do a little research on them. It's, it's cool, new thought, very laid-back, inclusive Christianity, a lot about the power of, like, our own ability to create our experience. And, and, and the coolest part that I've always thought of Unity is their youth group, which is called um, Youth of Unity, or we called it YOU. And it was, uh, it's, it's not really what it, what it used to be, and I think it has the potential to be that again, of course. But like what it was when I was in it, um, and my guest um, Harper was in it too, um, was just a very, very dynamic place for teenagers and interested adults who wanted to be our sponsors to take leadership and to, um, to create retreats and conferences where we could come together and really talk about some of these ideas from that very excited teenager, like lots of energy arising, lots of consciousness arising place. And it's, it's been extremely formative. Some of my best friends um, I've met through uh, YOU that I've stayed in touch with. And, um, and I think I've stayed in touch because the conversation continues to be so relevant and so good as we've gone on and we've grown in our lives. And, and it's something that's helped me to take a lot of leadership early in my life. I don't, I don't think I'd be able to do this work if I hadn't have had that kind of training ground for it. And um, I, I just am so excited now to, like, bring Harper on. So Harper, um, she was a, a little bit older than me in the youth group, so we kind of met each other. Like, as I was coming in, she was leaving. And, but we've um, just connected as friends right away, and we've seen each other in a few different states, um, states of, uh, of actual physical, like, um, 
Wisconsin, and also states of just like states of our life. And Harper is a mama to two beautiful kids, and she is an art teacher, and she also is, is really doing some cool new work about um, conscious communication and relationship. And um, so I, um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Harper and um, let her talk a little bit about what she's interested in right now, and we'll just let the conversation unfold from there. So welcome, Harper. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I I always love talking to you. And um, gosh, you say, you've already said so many things that are so exciting to me. So I, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Um, it, and all you've said is, is just so lovely and uh, true. And uh, being involved in Unity as a teenager was such a significant um, experience for me. And it I think what it gave me was spiritual intimacy even before I knew what that was or knew to look for it and is so, so valuable to me today. As soon as I had my own children, I knew that that was um, a really valuable anchor for me. Um, I, I So currently I'm not going to church um, and you know it, there are days when I would like my children to be involved in, in some form of ritual and I have resolved that that will come in its right time and that I'm, I must be doing what uh, is meant to be done right now that they must be getting what they need right now because uh, that opportunity hasn't presented itself yet and so um, I still, thankfully, because of my experience way back in high school, still feel like I hold that kind of spiritual intimacy and that um, we can still talk about spiritual relationships at home and I can give them that kind of fluency um, until something, you know, with more ritual presents itself. But I was I was so grateful for it when I was a teenager. And like I said, I didn't even know that... that it was it was what I needed, and that it was going to be such an anchor in my life. Um, and it is, you know, unity is is um, Christian based, and um, as you say, completely, um, completely accepting and um, non denominational, and you know, come at it from where you will. And there, of course, many paths to one truth that always rang really true to me. Um, and yet, it's just not. It's just not where I am right now, but it feels like it. You know, it was it was one step. Um, as I became a well, I don't know. I, in the last couple of years, as a mom and as a teacher and uh, somebody in the, you know getting into mid thirties and starting a quest for meeting, um, I think Carl Jung calls that uh, the afternoon of your life. I'm probably not quite into the afternoon yet, but I'm, we're getting there. It's like past brunch, I think. So. I started thinking about what um, what was missing because it felt like there was something missing, and um, and then I lost um, a physical connection with a very dear friend and mentor, and I I felt my foundation fall away. That was the the belief that I had about the experience. Um, my, my dear friend 
um, died of cancer, and it, to me, was sudden. And when she um, left physically, I became aware of how much I had um, entrusted into her care. And so much of it was my, my spirituality, my, my knowing of myself in a spiritual way. And I, you know, as though I had, you know, sort of a package, a bundle to give to her, I, she was holding it for me. And when she passed, I believed that I just didn't, I didn't have any spiritual foundation anymore. And um, so part of the mourning process was to take up that mantle myself and and to to empower myself and 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 you know even with sadness to accept that my spiritual path is mine and um and that though I have people whom I you know entrust with um knowing who I am and reminding me of who I am that that ultimately all that knowledge is within me and I I actually didn't give it away I just hadn't exercised those muscles and because things happen in the you know perfect unfoldment <laughs> that they do whether we know it or not I discovered um, Byron Katie's teachings um, of self-inquiry at the same around the same time and just felt like this is the first you know bold step for me to take on my own and of course, I was never alone. But this is; these are the stories that that were playing for me. So, I um, I did some intensive study. I took um, a one-year course with a, a fantastic teacher named Martha Creek, and she um, helped me learn about self-inquiry and um, looking at the stories that we tell in our lives to make our lives have meaning and to um, help us metabolize our experiences. And sometimes they are uh, valuable tools and sometimes they are, oh, uh, comforting. And um, sometimes they're restorative and sometimes they um, hold us in a place of smallness. So, um, there is a very simple process for looking objectively at what these stories are and just putting a little bit of distance between yourself and the stories you're telling yourself. For example, Pat is the keeper of my spirituality. Um, so when you can make a little distance from that, you can then look and say, oh, is that is that true for me? Does it serve me? Who? How do I feel how does my body behave? What does my life look like when I believe those things? And it, does it make sense for me or is there a more peace, peaceful way? And I really felt like as significant as, as um, that spiritual intimacy I had learned way back in high school um, had been, there was a missing piece. And it went back to positive thinking because I have so much of of what I had learned um, of spirituality is that um, positive thinking is really the key. That if you just, you know, think in a positive way about something, that 
you can you know turn it around, you can control it, you can um, you know mold your life just in your thinking. And I do believe that you know, like Charles Fulmer said, thoughts held in mind produce in kind. I do believe that. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna interject really quickly and just say that a lot like Charles Fillmore is like the founder of Unity Church and a lot of this stuff is like the basis of like Unity thought just for those who are interested in, in uh, where this philosophy is coming from. Yeah, thank you. So um, I do think I I, I do um, <clears throat> believe that you know that your thoughts um, shape your world. But I don't think that I am the thinker, if that makes any sense. Um, I, I, I realized in looking at my thoughts through a self-inquiry lens that I am the curator of my thoughts, if you will. So a curator in a museum has a vision for what should fill the walls of the museum. Um, a curator is not an artist. So the curator doesn't arrive at the museum and make all the paintings that they want on the walls. The curator gathers the the work that represents, you know, the thought that, you know, the vision they have. So um, it takes a bit of responsibility um, away from ownership of thoughts, um, which is a huge relief. <laughs> it was a huge relief for me. Um, and it, it, it helps me to really embrace the, the fleeting nature of life that, you know, thoughts will come and go and I'll hang on to the ones that, that serve me and do my best to let go of the ones that don't. And it has no, uh, it doesn't say anything about, my character. Um, I, there's no failing in having a small thought. I can just recognize it and let it go. And I will likely have another one. And then in the middle, I will say something profound and deep and feels worthy of, you know, I don't know how awesome everyone ought to think I am. I don't know. <laughs> And then that'll go away and getting lost in what other people should think of me. So um, I came away from the teaching feeling like uh, I am not uh, bound to my thoughts in the same way. And that that has given me what I feel like is the next chapter of richness in my spiritual development. And so that's that sort of brings me up to current. <laughs> wow, it's great, and and there's so much resonance I feel with what you said, and it, it's it's interesting how we started the conversation when you said that like you we like started from this really rich dynamic youth group with with um, so many I feel like cutting edge thoughts were coming out, you know, of like who we are and what our potential was, and and that's how Unity Church felt to me. And, and I don't go to church either. And I, and I think that this is the interesting thing about churches and religions and spiritual movements is that at, at any point when they were created, they probably were cutting edge, you know, of like for Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, this was back like in the 1920s, I think, that they were 
in Kansas City starting these prayer groups where they were telling people like the way that you see the world, you have elasticity around that. Like you can change and you can affirm that you're healthy and people were seeing these like miraculous healings and it was incredible. And it got codified, you know, and passed down. And, um, and I think that what's, for me, always the most interesting conversation to have is the one that feels most present, the most cutting edge. And what I hear is that you're like, I took that, like, and, and you know, you took the teachings that, that Pat was also able to pass down to you, and, and now I feel from you like a real a desire to, like, evolve the way that you see it, which is that, like, you know, that you don't have to have perfect thoughts. You don't always have to be in a good mood, that you actually all it's like taking a little bit more of a step back where you're like, I just get to choose which ones I want to water and which ones I want to weed. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And um, it's been pretty uh, significant for me as a parent as well, Um, just in terms of letting my, my relationship with my children evolve and shift and you know there there isn't a day when I when I don't love them um or you know feel like you know there's just no words for (laughs) what I would do for them or what I what they are for me um and yet I've never in my life (laughs) been so angry with another creature (laughs) and so the being being conscious of my thoughts and also being aware that um that this is fleeting that time ebbs and flows and and feelings will change and thoughts will change um it helps me to be more conscious as a parent and more honest um you know when i when I can yield to that changing of my thoughts, then my children get to see, you know, how how easy it is to change your mind and how quickly things change when you do. And, you know, hopefully we're developing a spiritual intimacy just in being honest. You know, that sometimes, sometimes I get mad and most of the time it has to do with control. <laughs> Maybe that part they won't get until later, but at least they'll they'll understand that, you know, the same person who loves them fiercely and makes them oatmeal in the morning is the same person who, you know, has to scream and take her own time out sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I love that, your own time out. <laughs> oh yeah. Those are those are valuable. I recommend those. <laughs> Um, can you can you take us through like how you use the inquiry process like when you are in one of those moments where you need a timeout where you're just feeling these like angry thoughts and in the vicinity of somebody that you love because I think even if we're not parents we can all relate to that moment of like loving somebody so much and feeling so like so much venom <laughs> at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I think you know somebody. Um, Somebody told me about baby scorpions once and how they're actually more lethal than adult scorpions, and it's because the babies haven't learned how to portion out their venom, so they just they just throw it all out there. Um, 
and I think about that a lot with children. I, I am a parent, and I'm also an elementary teacher, so I work with children from about five years old to 10 or 11. So it, it does help me to remember, you know, like, oh, you <laughs> little scorpions, <laughs> you don't know what you're throwing out there. Um, when, I, when I react, um, the, mo- the most valuable thing has been uh, to learn through self-inquiry that it's not personal. It's probably the, you know, the leading mantra that I take away from from that, um, from the knowledge, or you know, from being able to use self inquiry. Um, that it's not personal. Um, it's just like I said, you know, we're not the thinker of our thoughts. Um, we're, you know, we're not the the creator. We're more the curator. Um, it's not personal. Like I didn't, I didn't make these thoughts. I've just made a decision to hang on to them, and if they don't work, I'll let them go. So, um, there are four very simple questions in self inquiry. Um, <clears throat> you write down your thoughts because writing um, is such an easy way to um, uncensor yourself. There's something between um, you know the mind and the pen that um, helps you really get to the subconscious. So without censoring, you just write it all down um, in a, a in a, a bit of a form. And um, I can tell you all about that stuff if you like all the links and everything, because it's all free and accessible and um, kind of interesting to play around with. But the questions are: um, Is the thought true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? How do you react when you believe the thought, and what would you be without it? And there are different formats for children, which I also think are really cool. But mostly where I go is, um, is it true, and can I absolutely know it's true? So... Um, I'll just give away the answer uh, and say that most things are not absolutely true. <laughs> so, can you give, it, give a say, specific example of like a thought that you would okay. have that you would disprove? Um, my son is pokey. That's his pace in life. <laughs> For now, it could change. But the thing that most frequently vexes me is that. Um, I decide that we are under a time crunch and he seems to move slower. So um, this, of course, gets me very upset because now we're in a experience of me desperately wanting to control the way that he behaves in the world. Um, And I... Often, it's like a Monday morning, and I'm shouting about, like, put your shoes on. And uh, we get in the car, and I yell at him that, you know, I don't want to yell at you every morning. (laughs) And um, in those small pauses 
between, you know, us talking again and me maybe getting some music going in the car, I ask myself, you know, what is the guiding thought here? Sometimes it is, you know, we should be there already. Other families have made it to school already. We should be on time. There's no reason that our family is incapable of being somewhere on time. Um, And then, of course, you can go down that rabbit hole of, like, how are other families able to do this and I'm not able to do it? And what does that say about me as a person and as a parent? And um, instead of going down the rabbit hole, I can simply say, is that true? That I should be able to be there on time. And um, any statement that starts with should is um, false because it, it argues with reality. And the reality is that I am here in this moment and that we are, you know, sitting in the car five minutes later than I had imagined. So it helps to bring me back to reality and not to fight with it. And children so naturally live in the moment, they're actually quite befuddled when you ask them to project anywhere else, (laughs) Um, which is also, if you can can, uh, appreciate it, quite a nice reminder. But it helps to bring me back into the present moment and to be present with my child again and, and realize that, you know, okay, this is the experience we're having. And, you know, maybe we should be getting in the car earlier, but we're not. We can't can't turn time back. And the only reason that I'm feeling upset is because I'm fighting with reality. And it's just remarkable how quickly an experience can change just by noticing the thought that is guiding it. And um, maybe not even changing it, but witnessing like, oh, that's what that is. And some well, days yeah, I'm, I'm just going to interject really quickly here and yeah, say yeah. I, I so relate that like I, even though I, I don't have kids and I can only imagine how accelerated the feelings must be when you, when you have that depth of connection to a being, but like even just like with like Poncho in the morning, if I'm running late and he's like sniffing, like the kind of control feelings that come up in me and it definitely come up in like relationship, especially like romantic partners of like wanting to be cer- at a certain time and just the the relief of, of being able to instead of feeling like you have to change another being um, to like really be in the present moment and just take that step back is so, it's so powerful because it is, it's so grounding in the present moment, and, and what I realize is, like, when I can get present and just, like, kind of, like, huh, that's interesting, instead of, like, I, they shouldn't be doing this, or I shouldn't be having that thought, or, like, you know, that, that violence that we can do, um, that what I see, I'm, like, oh, this is just a pattern that's been acting itself out for so long, you know, it's, like, this is my mom's voice in my head rushing me along when I was a little kid and wanted to just, you know, be present and play with my star stickers or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and that we're by taking that step back, even though it's, it's such a small act to do to just notice um, that we can be 
really changing just like patterns and like you know generations of of activity and momentum. So it's it, it can feel small, but I feel like what you're saying is so big. Oh, it is. It has absolutely changed my life, and it it is such a small thing, and yeah, it is just it's. I feel like it has informed so much of what I what I already knew, what felt natural to me, but it just sort of it, it's such a wonderful like catalyst. It's just been a great springboard for me, and um, and yeah, it, there there's so much around control, and yet it's it's a more peaceful place to rest out without it. You know, because the idea that we have control really fights with reality most of the time. <laughs> mm. And, um, and yeah, looking back to our parents and what they thought was right and what informs us now is, is so great because of the, the the duality of it the both and you know my my mom might you know might have been the one hurrying me along in the morning and there are stories that that formed for me and yet right now if i hadn't lived that story i wouldn't be able to see you know the un story you know i wouldn't be able to see the opposite and and how that makes sense in sometimes and and not in others. If I never hurried, you know, I I'd be late a lot. <laughs> that would make a different experience for me. Um so there there are times when it, you know, it's appropriate to you know, get yourself in gear and there are times when it's appropriate to say, you know, I can slow down. Um and that's all that's all just part of you know not not controlling but just understanding that um i'm just in, i'm just going with the flow i'm just you know responding to what reality presents and that's a, a much more peaceful place to be and that's what i actually talk about with my elementary age students so um in terms of you know how how you could use inquiry with little guys um it's it's simpler, but um, I definitely spend a lot of time um, in terms of like discipline or redirection in a classroom setting. I, I am controlling of the experience less and facilitating more sort of conversation about. So, you know, a kid comes up to me and says, you know, the kid next to me said that my work is messy. It's an easy time to say, um, is that true? And they can question for themselves, what does that mean? Is it is it true? Well, no. Okay, well, how do you feel when you believe your work is messy? I feel bad. Okay. Do do you want to feel bad? Well, no. Okay. Well, the choice is yours. And, you know, I think in, a, in an experience with two adults, you, there might be some scoffing of like, oh, well, that's all very good and 
well and good. Um, I guess I just don't have to feel that way. Um, and yet kids are so much more willing um, to be in the present and to you know, accept a new possibility. And most of the time, they just let it go. Okay, yep, that doesn't feel good, so I'm not going to pursue that. After all, I was just sitting doing my work when someone introduced a new idea to me. And um, it helps me, you know, to to help guide them because that's not always something that's easy for me and it seems to be so much easier for them. Well, what I hear in that is it's like they would rather feel good than not good. And so when you give them an option that they can accept reality and feel good about it, that you're giving them this, like, this empowerment of like, oh, well, I'm actually, one thought makes me feel good and one thought doesn't make me feel good. So like you're saying this curation of like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and choose the thought that feels better instead of feeling like I have to like, you know, heft reality onto my shoulders or wrestle it to the ground, you know, until I'm just like a sweaty pulp of like fighting <laughs> it and then finally give up, which is, again, it's just what some of us have been taught. And so there's no wrong or right in that, but it's like from from what's happened, there's always the springboard for openness. And I love I love how you bring that up. But it's like nothing's wrong in the past that happened either. It's just that like, and and when we were really embracing a path of self inquiry and self awareness, that it's it's like we it's such an empowering path to be like actually all the stuff that happened in the past, like it doesn't have to re- recreate it in this moment, and like can I use the metric of, like, what feels better and, like, what actually makes my body relax and helps me to, like, feel better about myself as a person? Like, can I trust that that's actually the better choice? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the the knowledge that it will likely come back, you know, you'll you'll likely feel that again that experience will come up again. Um, it may not surprise you that there are, have been more than one Monday when I have yelled at, at my child about articles of clothing or <laughs> elements of school preparedness that didn't make it out the door. Um, and when I also come to saying, like, I don't want to yell at you every morning, um, that, that didn't just happen once. So that happens more than one time. And uh, every time the the understanding gets just slightly richer and I become just slightly more conscious of what that's about and um, where I want to, where I want to change. It and, makes me think uh, yeah. about Padma Chodron and she talks about like spiritual practice. And I love Padma Chodron because she's like so real. She's like, sometimes, we can make a more evolved choice, and sometimes we can't, and that's spiritual practice. <laughs> yeah, 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 because, you know, it it just gets, you know, richer in in different ways. You know, there's, there are, you know, sort of, you know, an upward spiral, but we're always revisiting as we go. These I, these concepts that we thought like oh yeah I totally get that now <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh you do so then you get to look at it from a different way and be hard on yourself about 
thinking that you really got that and then being able to laugh at like, oh, yeah, I thought I got everything. I don't actually need to. It'll come back and I'll have a, a new understanding and it'll get richer. There's always another layer, which is fantastic, you know. It's um, a new exciting way to use your brain. <laughs> it, and it feels so compassionate to me, too, that, like, just in terms of life, it's just working on you, you know. That, like, it's like that, like, for me, too, it's the need for control. And it's, like, again and again and again, life has just given me opportunities and things to just see that, like, I can't control them. You know, the thing I can control is the, the acceptance and the go with the flowness. And the, yeah. and the softness around which I, you know, treat myself and, and thus other people. But it's it's like, I, I met this guy in India once, and he was, like, telling me about how he had, had such a hard life. And he had this big smile on his face. And he's like, but I just, like, I'm so grateful because, like, it means that God cares about me enough that he wants to work on me. Wow. Wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I think about that all the time. That, like, I'm so grateful, not always in the moment. Like, I'm pissed a lot in the moment when stuff comes up. But it, it's like that, that, like, life hasn't given up on me, that, like, life will continue to hand me what I need until I, I choose what actually could, you know, make the experience of life a little bit softer for me and the people around me. But there's, I, I just feel this, like, this real redefining for myself lately of what love actually means. But I think before love was about like making it as pretty and as easy and as like perfect as possible and in terms of like wanting to help somebody or heal something or heal myself or even this whole idea of like self improvement. And now I'm seeing that like love is just really about like being present for like the fullness of another person's experience and, and the fullness of my own experience and just like oh you're feeling like shame right now. I I can sit with you in that, you know, and like and, and I get that not from my own brain, but more from, like, my, my felt experience with other people that when I'm just in that state and I finally decide to reach out and, and from a place of honesty be like, I'm struggling. And the people that in my life that can just sit with me no matter what without making me feel worse, without trying to fix it, it's like that, that's my felt experience of love more than anything. And so it feels like this is what that can be for yourself as, like, a process where you just get to sit with yourself no matter what not trying to change it and just really like looking at it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, there's a, there's a term that is like more typical that I hear more often in education circles and it's called disequilibrium. And um, it is, as you can imagine, it's, it's the off balanceness that is created by not knowing the right answer. So it's it's the experience you have when you you realize you don't know. You didn't memorize anything for this. You don't. You maybe don't um, have the right answer, or you thought you did, and um, now you realize you're going to have to start from scratch. That that feeling um, of disequilibrium is where learning is born. And um, teachers who are revising beliefs about what education should be are, are thinking about disequilibrium, um, as are people who are 
trying to educate themselves spiritually and learn about who they are and who they came here to be and, and, and um, what feels like the most authentic way to show up. And there's a lot of disequilibrium in that. And I think it's the place to start with the love that, that you're talking about, that self-love means completely being present and being willing to not know. That, that has always been my experience. The, the place where you get to the surrender of, I don't know. That's where the learning happens. In, in almost every situation where I've come to that surrender of not knowing, I end up opening up to a richer understanding. And I think that that love that you describe is that is that gateway where you can surrender and and be present and accept that maybe the vessel that's you um, hasn't accessed you know hasn't uh, hasn't been open to you know this one new element or hasn't noticed this one new part. There's a new way of looking thing, at things, a new lens that that isn't new. It's just always there and didn't wasn't awakened yet. So um, yeah, in in parenting, as well as in you know life and creative process and in, in um, <laughs> being human, I think that disequilibrium is is something worthy of embracing. It's such a profound place to be in, and and it's I understand why we avoid it too because it, it is that feeling of you know going down the hill too fast on your bike sometimes mm-hmm. you know just like I don't have control over this and it's and it is it's such a safety thing that we want to we want to cling to what feels familiar and safe which sometimes is a little bit of you know negativity and, and that, like that's that's not a bad thing to do sometimes we just need to slow down and if that's the way that you do it um but it's it's i think just gaining the consciousness over it and like the the empowerment that it's like okay i'm being negative and and i can choose differently sometimes and i can't sometimes and um and that all of it is okay and um i, I think that gives us such a feeling that we're like not being pushed around, you know, or not being forced down this hill, that we're just kind of choosing how we want to take our ride in it. Oh, and yeah. Our worth is not really wrapped up in that. So it's like, it doesn't make us a good or a bad person to, like, you know, yell at our kids or not yell at our kids. Like, it's just the reality of what happens. And, and it, but it's like when that reality is presented to us, that's the empowerment that, like, well, how how kind do I get to be to myself in this moment and how much compassion? Because I, I just know all around us that people, if you're a parent or not a parent, that people are watching that and that what we can teach them sometimes is, is so much more profound out of our places of, like, this equilibrium. I love that phrase so much, like, than we can out of just, like, perfection of, like, getting it all tight-lipped, you know, 
on school on time and like I think we're getting to the point where we just realize that doesn't really work. But if we can like show up and and I feel like kids are so forgiving, you know, it's like it's such a great place to practice where like, you know, you you explain like, wow, I lost my temper there and like showing them that self awareness, it sounds like it just can be such a awesome place to, to teach from. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah, and it and um it, it teaches me um, as well uh, how easily you can forgive. Um, there, there's just from moment to moment so many, so many choices, and when you choose one thing, you have experience of one consequence, and you can't go back. <laughs> you just build. You know, you just make make new turns, and there are infinite possibilities, and and you know all those moments present, you know, the next thing to to figure out, and the next combination. Um, and you're right; it, it's it's particularly nice with children because they are so fluid in that way, and yet um, any any relationship presents the the same because. You know the the duality of our experience, um, in the sense that I have, is that this physical world is all about that. You know that duality of separation and connectedness. The, just the idea that someone else inhabits another body makes us separate is um, is a story, a concept worth considering. You know, is it absolutely true? How do I behave? How do I react in the world when I believe that that a body makes us separate? Mm-hmm. Or how do I believe? How do I react when I believe that I can separate myself just by being in my body? You know, so there's there's always another another layer, always another way to to look at the stories that are shaping your life and there's so many of them <laughs> but you know it's just you know it's so fascinating i um mm. i don't know why this seems fitting right now but i have been completely um drawn into this this book series and there's just complete escapism <laughs> and um just so well written um and I find myself drawn into these books. You know, my children are six and three, and so there's been quite a stretch of time where I have not been reading um, in any large capacity. You know, mostly I I will take a book to bed and read a page and fall asleep. But I have been just completely immersed in these books, and they're like 800 pages each, which is just, amazing to me that I'm even able to do it but I've been so so drawn to this this story and completely hooked and I'm uh I find myself even like you know going over the storyline in my head and puzzling it out and of course none of it is real it's completely fiction um and finding myself analyzing myself about like well why are you doing this I mean it's complete escapism like you're just losing yourself in these books and why why spend so much time doing this you could be doing other things and um and the other things are um things that I've decided are 
you know, are, are worthy, are things that I should be spending my time on. So why am I doing this? Which means in my head that, you know, I'm failing somehow because I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I took that into an inquiry process, okay? Is it absolutely true that I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Well, no. It, that can't possibly be true because it's not what I'm doing. And so how can this be exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now? <laughs> okay, well, um, it actually came back to self-care for me, which is something that is just so self-sacrifice, I should say, is so easy to do in any kind of intimate relationship. I know that anybody who's ever, um, you know, had a new relationship start knows that that just overpowering feeling that you just want to crawl inside a cocoon with this person and leave the rest of the world outside and um, that there's some self-sacrifice in there where you are just, you know, feeling such, um, you know, such a wave of intoxicating emotion that you are just willing to give up everything else and how easy that is. And that's human. I think we have to really give ourselves credit for surviving as a species because of that, because of that self-sacrifice. So there's nothing, there's something very valuable in it. It's not, it's not all bad. And yet, you know, you, you do eventually come to a realization of like needing some balance and awareness of, you know, here's where, here's where I begin and, and end. And um, as parents, as moms, in particular, I think you just, you are just so willing to give away the story of self that you develop before you have children. It's just too easy because they need you for everything, for their survival, Um, especially in the beginning when they're teeny tiny and, and, you know, just like you know, picture like baby mice. Like they just are so vulnerable in the world and if there's anything you can give, you give it and you just don't even think. And um, and then at some point there needs to be some balance where you say, you know, there was a self that I developed before I was willing to give myself away and it's it's time to to create some balance. So... For uh, Wait, first of all, I'm just like so curious. I love what you're saying, and it's funny because I wanted to ask you about how you mindfully practice self-care, and I think that's, that's perfect that you felt led to say that. And um, I'm so curious what the books are. Oh, <laughs> it's um, the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. Oh, oh my man, mom they're loves good. Those. Yeah. Okay. They're I love stuff like that. Delicious. Yes. Um, and especially for a mom of young children. <laughs> They're quite. It's a. It's quite a nice uh, retreat, um, because one of the things you sacrifice is, is your sexuality, is you know the is your feminism is you know your your um, being anything besides um, a source of life for <laughs> another being on the planet. Um, so they're they're just 
they're good. They're crazy, delicious escapism. And, uh, yeah, I recommend them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, good summer reading. But, yeah, so this, so you, um, what I discovered was it, it's, it was time for me to call back a little bit of balance. And it, it, there was nothing wrong with what I did. And there wasn't anything wrong with, you know, coming back to, you know, this this story of self that I had created before I ever had kids and trying to marry them and, and relook at it now. And what are the things that I that I thought I knew about who I was that are worth looking at again through this new lens of, you know, who I, the story I've developed as mom or mother, life giver, life sustainer, <laughs> dinner maker. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was very funny because for Mother's Day, so there's like a series of eight books and I had read three of them. And so for Mother's Day, my kids, my husband came upstairs carrying these very heavy bags and in each one was another book from the series. So now I have all eight of the books, and if I finish one, I can just set it down and pick up the next one, um, which it just made me laugh that, like, <laughs> their gift to me was, like, you know, when you decide to come up for air from your books, we'll be here with fresh clothes and food for you. <laughs> so um, just such a wonderful sign to me that like yeah nothing will um nothing will break the way you thought it would nothing's going to fall apart because you don't maintain the story that that seemed really right because there isn't an absolute story that's really right and what i'm finding for myself is that when i you know take the time to practice self-inquiry around like i have so many stories around like if I do this, I will disappoint this other person and wound them so deeply, and it, it, things will fall apart. And when I take the time to see through that, which I, I really think is, like, the basis of self-care, of, like, putting, putting myself and my, my good feelings first, even in, like, such a situation like motherhood, you know, or, like, we're always told not to do that, but it actually, it sets the other person free in an odd way. And then it's, like, we, you could actually be helping your kids so much. And, and there's a reason that they give you those books and that there is joy. It's that they want to see you joyful more than they want to see you being a perfect mom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That The things that are important to me are important to them. That they're, they're part of what, you know, what makes me. Yeah. One of the things that, that um, my, my teacher and friend who passed um, taught me was um, she had three boys and she always said how valuable it was that she taught her kids when her door was closed they were not to come in and um, and that's not always easy for me and I do still know how <laughs> you know what a good idea you try it on um, but I, you know, I do think it's very important for your children to know that this is, um, this is, it's valuable to take space for yourself and to, to set 
apart time just for you. And um, serving others is really important, and serving yourself is equally important. And, uh, you know, that's such a great example to set for your kids that um, I need quiet, you know, or sometimes when I get super frustrated, you know, I need a time out, you know, because there, there's the only difference between us is that I've been on the planet longer with, you know, more experience. So the same tools work for me, work for you. That's so important. I'm really so glad that you said that. And it, um, it just feels so much truer to me. It's like that, that that's the truth. So like what we teach people is from our example of like how to, how to trust, how to embrace joy, how to be kind and gentle with ourselves, how to like, you know, read a piece of fluff and like love it. And like all these things, these spice skills that, um, and that the, the thought that comes up is often, it's, it's just like the same way that like we, maybe we don't go to church because there's something else that we, we find that is, feels truer. And I think that like the nature of truth is that we really can't know it. You know, it's unknowable. It's so big like how connected we really are, but that like all we can really do is just keep living our life in the direction of what feels truest to us, you know, and that's what I feel like self-inquiry is, is just this process of like, it's, it's like hot, hot, cold, you know, and like just mm-hmm. trusting that that cold feeling is not, it's, that we that we have these receptors for joy and connection and happiness and peace and that those receptors are evolved and important. Um and I feel like there's, there's so much good stuff, but just in the interest of time, I, I'm going to close our conversation right now, but I would love to have you back so we can, we can get a little bit more into I'd love to talk to you about the creative process of something um, that I feel I feel led to talk to you about. So um, would you be cool to come back again and, and continue this conversation? Oh, yeah, I love that. I would love that. And um, is, are there any... Um, Resources. I know you said that um, for people who are interested in the self-inquiry practice, like where would you recommend that they oh, yeah. go to find these four questions? Um, so Byron Katie has a, um, a really uh, easily accessible website. It's um, thework.com. And on her website, she she talks about the self-inquiry process, which she calls the work. And um, she has lots of videos, which I think is probably the best way to see how self-inquiry works. It's where she sits with, um, with somebody who is working through a concept, a thought, and helps them go through the process. Um, and it truly is super simple. It's four questions. And then um, turning those turning those answers around, and the whole process is about just creating a little bit of space between you and your thoughts. And um, she has a number of worksheets that are PDFs, easy to download, and um, print off anytime you want, share freely, and they help you just fill in the blanks in a really uncensored way. And again, create just a little bit more objectivity between um, you and your thoughts. So you can, you know, sort of lay things out and, and decide which, 
how they have been um, present in your life and, and if they create peace or not. So that is um, the work of Byron Katie. Um, she wrote a book called Loving What Is, which is a, a really great book. Um, it's easy to read, and it also reads um, sort of like a textbook, so it's, it's a nice reference to, to sort of flip open any time and go back to. There's another book that I have really, really um, been loving, and I've written all through it and earmarked it, and I go back to it all the time, and it's called The Conscious Parent. It's by Dr. Shafali Savari. And it is, it's been life-changing for me. Um, and yet, I wouldn't say that there's anything new in it. But in the way that um, a good coach draws, um, you know, empowerment out of out of um, a client, she is just so good at helping you to access the things that you already know are true, and just ground you solidly in that. So, I, you know, everything I read, I leave the book feeling more like, okay, I can do this. Um, so I highly recommend it for, for any parent and um, anyone who needs to get a shower gift for anyone, that's a really good one to get because it'd be, gosh, I wish I had read it when I was sitting and nursing my babies in the night and doubting whether I could really do a good job or not. Um, yeah, so those are, those are the two I'd recommend for right now. That's great. I actually have someone I need to buy a, a, a baby coming gift, so perfect. Do it. It's a good one. Cool. Uh, this <laughs> it was so wonderful great. talking to you. Harper. You know, the other thing that I really um, am always like just surprised and excited by is how um, everything is for you. So every conversation, every you know story you hear, every song on the radio, it's it's for you. Every person that comes into your life, every time you you know your child makes you yell because they don't have their shoes on yet it's all for you and so I love in this conversation all the things that I have learned from you um, that you know now give me a richer understanding so that's and that's the the really exciting part about conversation right mm-hmm. so thank you yes yeah, I think that everyone is going to listen to this and um, who would love to listen to this and feel like this was recorded for them and like they, cause they relate so much to that moment where the kids aren't putting their shoes on or they've been struggling with how to deal with the negative thoughts that are coming into their mind. So it's like, yeah, take it. And a lot of our worth and I think a lot of what self-care is like receiving what's given to us. You know, the, like the universe is always trying to give us what we need. And so it's like, receiving that from, from that open heart place. And um, so it's, it's been um, so beautiful to be your friend and to know you for so long and um, so cool to see the, the co-creativity that comes out of this here. So thank you. And, um, and for those of you who like conversation, um, there's more where that's to be had. I, I have a website. It's um, www.selfcarewithgracie.com. And I do a weekly newsletter. I send it out Wednesday afternoons. It's at the point where um, I usually feel like I'm about to become unhinged. That's when I send it out, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it it just has a lot of um, grounding remembrance. Again, these aren't new ideas, but sometimes we just need to be told them. And in the height of our our own, you know, 
uh, this equilibrium we can read them and remember, and the remembrance is richer. So I send that out there. I, I have this podcast, which you can listen to past episodes and future episodes. And I also offer coaching programs one-on-one and group coaching that starts uh, many times throughout the year. So I update those on my newsletter, and you can tune in for that. Um, please write me at w, excuse me at selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. And um, just remember, too, that your self-care is it, it's really as simple as just taking a little step back, placing your hand over your heart, and remembering that you don't have to have it all figured out. So thank you, Harper, so much. Thank you, Gracie. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons I'll send you more self-care practices more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also, write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, and remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. <laughs>